What is up guys, and welcome to another episode of Blue Room Insight. Today we're going to just kind of get right into things, and we are bringing you to the late 80s in Australia. Specifically Melbourne, Australia. Right outside of Melbourne. Yep. So today we're going to be talking about a masked attacker. And this is a pretty weird story, and this is why we're covering this. Um, it is more of a true crime, yeah. uh, which we do touch on sometimes, but this one is more... Uh, well, this is a little out of our wheelhouse, I feel like. But it's and it'll be good, I think. So, we're going to take you between the years of 87 and 91, when a masked man, and we all know him as Mr. Cruel... Uh, he was breaking into homes, and he actually broke into, uh, of what we know, three homes. Uh, three documented. Three documented homes. Three documented homes. And he bound the parents, and he would usually kidnap one of the daughters. On the morning of August 22nd of 1987, Mr. Krul, uh, which is, you know, the only way that people talk to him, his his, his name, the only moniker of him, um, broke into a family's house in uh, suburbia, and it was on the outskirts of Melbourne, Australia. Um, It is called, the suburb is called Lower Plenty, which that just feels weird to say it. Yeah. So that's why I kind of said it like that. Lower Plenty. Um, he broke into this family's home and he, he was able to, well, he, I'm assuming everybody was sleeping. Yeah, everybody was sleeping. Yeah. And he, he forced, uh, both adults, which obviously the parent, the mother, the father onto their tum-tums and he bound their hands and feet and they locked them in a closet. Huh? And sailor knots. Yeah. And, uh, then he went to the kid's room and he tied up their seven-year-old son and attacked an 11-year-old daughter um which i'm assuming that the 11-year-old daughter was also eventually tied up or bound some way uh he also cut he he cut the phone lines and then left yeah so basically what happened is he had cut the phone lines before even attacking them he um he had cut the phone lines, and then the parents had woke, woke, woken up to him, um, basically threatening them with a knife, and um, I believe a gun. There might have been a gun there. Uh, I know in the other ones he did, but in this one specifically, I do not remember. Um, he got him on the ground. He got him tied up, um, and then he had put him in the closet. Right. And um, whenever he had um, attacked, or went into the kids' room, I should say. Right. Um, he would tie up the little boy and then uh, sexually assault the little girl. Right. Um, but during that time, the little gr- the little girl would uh, bring up that whenever he was in the room, he had gone on the phone apparently and started talking to um, someone else on the line, 
And uh, if I remember right on the line, he was basically talking, like it sounded like he was talking to another family saying that they're next and all that, if they don't hide or something like that. Right. And um, the weird thing is, the thing that got a lot of the police like, you know, confused and even the family is the fact that the phone lines were cut. Right. So, well, before um, they made like the police report, uh, he attacked that little girl for 11 hours. Or, sorry, for two hours. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. That's, can you imagine the, the fear and the parents going on, like... Because, like, apparently the, the the little girl woke up to the parents, like, yelling yeah. in their room. Can you imagine, like, how terrifying that is? Yeah. And she was, uh... Was she, um, blindfolded the whole time? They were all blindfolded. Okay, yeah. So, now, even, even what's, like, weirder is... He only took some records and a blue jacket. Right. So. Right. They only got to see one thing of him, really, before they had put the blindfold up. Right. So, yeah, we could go ahead and talk about the police uh, file on him. Yeah. Before they had gotten blindfolded, he actually, um, it was described that they saw a man with a uh, ski mask over his face with what looks, and originally I thought these were zippers looking at the, the, the thing, but no, it's stitches. Stitches. So okay. his for the eye holes, which is still there scary. Was white stitches yeah. stitch around the eye holes, which are still really small and beady. Yeah, and the mouth itself is—it's just—it's a very vulgar way of stitching. The way how the police uh, right. sketch had it, and um, I mean that's pretty—that's pretty terrifying to see in the, in your room. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then um, but the man wasn't described as tall at all. Like apparently, uh, one of the witnesses actually described him as, uh, or one of the kids. Describing as being almost no taller than them, so really, yeah. Oh, I actually didn't see anything like that. That's crazy. Yeah. So it was a smaller person. Smaller person, yeah. Yeah. Um. Now, also in the police report, they did. <coughs> excuse me. They did. Uh, the the kids let them know, or mainly the girl, the eleven year old daughter, uh, let the police know that he he was on the phone and he kept describing or telling the person that they were like a bozo yeah and like you know australian lingo right just funny stuff but when the police did check the family records there was no calls made from that house right not even the fact that he cut the lines so it's like yeah and this is 1987 right so it's like it's a little bit hard you're not going to have any mobile phone use you know what i mean and if you did you were you know, wealthier. You had that brick phone. Right. So, yeah, it just, it doesn't really add up. Yeah. So they, they thought it was like a red herring. Like maybe he like planted that idea into their minds to make him, you know. Yeah. I mean, well, confused. he also, he, it didn't seem like he was striking much. And if he was striking, right. then nobody knows. The next, uh, his next victim was a year later, and it was actually it was just days after Christmas of 1988, and the Wills family um, were fast asleep, and there was he had four daughters, and now this happened um, around Ringwood, which I actually I did have a map up, but I did not take a very good look at it. 
But um, it was Ringwood, just two days after Christmas. So Ringwood, Melbourne, and all that stuff, like they're like, and Lower Plenty, they're they are all the, all the attacks kind of happened within the same place. Right. So um, there was like this little triangle. It goes all the way from Thomastown, all the way to uh, Bayswater, and I mean, when you really look at it, it does seem like there was there's a lot of ground to cover, but I mean, not with a car, not with a vehicle. Well, the the time in between the first one and the second one are quite hefty. It's a a good amount of time because the second attack, well, the first attack happened what in uh, what part of 1988? Winter, and this one also it happened almost a year later. So this one yeah, was also so right after Christmas. Yeah, two days after Christmas, uh, a year later. Um, so he was. And, dis- and, and there was, and I don't think there was any like, like in between scenario, like similar scenarios. Well, not that we know of. That, well, not that we know, of, but none that haven't really brought up or like have enough right. evidence to really show. Nothing that was connected back to Mister Cruel, <sighs> right? Except this one itself. So right. Yeah, mm-hmm. this one base. This one's a little bit more eerie the way how it starts. It basically starts off with. Uh, John Willis, um, the husband, the man of the house, waking up to a gun against his temple. And uh, he specifically said, and actually I've heard this said in different ways, and multiple uh, multiple sources say it differently, but I'm just going to say it the way that I heard it the most. Don't be a hero. Yeah. He said, don't be a hero. Uh, others said, he said, um, are you going to be a hero tonight? Uh, either way, same, same just... Um, Right, but yeah, he had he held a gun to his head, and um, he had clutched knife from his hand as before. Oh shit! Sorry, I skipped a little over my notes. Um, he was described as wearing a dark blue overalls and a dark ski mask. Yeah, so, so his same shit. As same before. shit. Yeah, yep. I don't think the overalls were in it last time. No, but I, okay. So if you guys ever look up like a uh, the sketching of him. He kind of does look like he, and which is really funny because Asher's. I talked to Asher's from on Wednesdays. We talk weird about this yeah. case, and she brought it up to me. But she's like, he kind of looks like he's from the Blue Man Group. He does kind of look like our group or whatever. But like, yeah, no, for real. Yeah. Um. So basically, the same thing happened again. He had taken out his knife and told the couple to get on the floor on their stomachs and uh, had tied them up and gagged them. Um. But this one's a little different because this time. He says that he's there for the money. Yeah, he's there just for the money. That's and then the phone lines get cut again. Right. And instead of really caring about any money, he goes into the bedroom where the daughters are. Yeah, 10-year-old Sharon Willis. Yeah, Sharon, so Sharon uh, Willis. the man, quit, uh, the Mr. Cruel, he uh, blindfolds and gags Sharon Wills, which mm-hmm. is, she's 10 years old. And then he uh, picked her up. And he picks up a few items of her clothing, uh-huh. and then he f- he leaves the house with her. Yeah, he actually told her, asked her. Um, and the crazy thing about this one specifically is he called her by her name. Yeah, that's weird. Isn't he it? called her by her name, so whenever he had approached her, he called her by her name, and he also had asked her to get her school clothes with her, like take her school clothes with her. Right, which she went to a like you know that school clothes like a public yeah private school. She went to a private school. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, which we can get that'll that, that, that ties in I think a lot yeah. later on, but um, so John Wills he was able to get out of his uh, ties and his gag, yeah. and he noticed that the phone lines were cut and he goes over to his neighbor's house and he calls the police. Yeah. Um. Obviously though, Mr. Cruel was gone and he so took his, his daughter, daughter Sharon. Yeah. Uh. However, eighteen hours later, a woman 
uh, saw a tiny figure standing on the street corner just after midnight. Yeah. And that tiny little figure behold. and ended up becoming Sharon, yeah. um, who was dressed in green garbage bags. Yeah. But uh, she was then reunited with her family. And she was able to give the police a couple leads, but not really anything. Yeah. It was it was a weird scenario because usually in these cases with people that get abducted, you don't really get them back like that. Yeah, and she yeah. was actually really calm. So like, yeah. After she came back, she obviously had to make a statement and like talk about what she experienced. Now she was blindfolded the whole time. Yeah. Um. So she couldn't give any physical description to Mr. Kroll. Right. Uh, however, she did recall that um, she was given a bath. Yeah, her nails were cleaned. He rid of all evidence. Yeah, and yeah. and he like brushed her teeth right. and like all that, which is just kind of like it's no. that's so disturbing to me that he did that. But apparently he was gentle enough right. in the way that the the uh, Sharon felt. I'm, I'm not gonna say comfortable, right. but like she she didn't seem to be had the Cloverfield uh, ah, rain right. effect in my opinion, right. Like, yeah, well, something that was the most creepiest part about that whole encounter was when she managed to take part of her blindfold off at his house and saw his room and saw the mask laying in front of her. It was a little bit down. I don't remember specifically where she said where the mask was, but it was hanging in the room, uh -huh. the, the ski mask, the iconic ski mask, right. as well as a video camera recording her constantly. At the end of the bed. At the end of the bed. Yes. Okay, so I did hear that part, yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually, but yeah, and then she was able to sketch this out. Which yeah, was, and then she was she was let free. Yeah, um, he told her uh, he had dropped her off at the side of the road. She recalls, and then he had told her go uh, go find your parents or some someone around that area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's just so odd though because it's like, what was what 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 was he trying to do? Was he actually just trying to get money out of it? And realized at the end, he was like, I'm not gonna get anything out of this. I don't know. Or he was like, I don't know. Right. Because it does seem weird. Right. Um. Oh, maybe with that one, if he comes into, if some man comes into your room and says he's here for the money, you're probably going to try to cooperate with them and give you the money. But if he comes in here and he just straight up goes, hey, I'm taking one of your daughters, yeah. it's a little more panicky, right? Right. So, he, well, he, kind of, he kind of comes off as impulsive, meaning like he, his, what he wants changes really fast when the opportunity comes. Well, do you, well, but here's the thing, and I will say this, with all, so far the cases that we talked about and the case that we'll get into... With the information he knows about the school clothes, the information he knows about their names, the fact that he chooses houses that have girls, daughters. daughters yeah, you can tell it's pretty easy to connect the dots and say yeah, there's a trend. Man, he there's... watches. He watches these houses. Months, yeah. probably months prior oh, to for the sure. tax. He plot. He plots them out. Yeah. And um, now, obviously, because of this case, the the second case that we're talking about, um, all the information sound pretty familiar to the first attack so they connected the two and so as of right now like you know they they think that the, both are mr cruel and that's how they're sticking to it right now he did strike a third time Was on July 3rd, 1990, uh, and this was in um, in Australia. They have so many like different. Kind of, it's it's kind of like United States stuff, but it's, it's another suburb uh, 
Which is in, yeah, Canterbury. It's west of Ringwood, south of Floor Plenty. Right, but it's all still relatively close. Yeah, it's all like that triangle. Yeah. Um, and this one, he attacked the Linus family, which is an English family. Uh, and they were renting a house uh, along uh, Monomyth Avenue, which apparently is like a, a rich side of... Uh, it's like a rich... The rich street, you know, the really nice looking street. Right. <clears throat> it's it's distinguished. Right. <laughs> um, b- b- usually politicians and public officials uh, lived in this area. Right. Uh, which, which in return kind of makes it a very like secure area um, but on July 3rd Brian and Rosemary Linus were attending a farewell party and they actually ended up leaving two daughter, their daughters home alone uh, one was 15 and the other one is 13 now just before midnight Mr. Cruel broke into this home 15 uh, year old Fiona and 13 year old Nic- Nicola or Nicola? Nicola? Yeah. Yeah, Nicola? I don't know. Um, they were woken by the by Mr. Cruel coming in, and he started command... Like, he basically just started telling them things to do. Uh, he was armed with another his gun and his knife, which typically... This is his MO now. And he instructed Nicola to go into another room and uh, to pick up her, uh, her college uniform. Uh, she went to Presbyterian Ladies College, and... Then he, while she was doing that, he uh, tied up Fiona in her bed. Again, this is another scenario with the clothes again. Yeah. Because it happens in two cases. Yep. So that's two schoolgirl kind of thing. Same school. Same school. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, they go to the same school? Yeah. Huh. Oh, now, I, I, mean, I might be wrong, but I was pretty sure it was the same school. Okay, so uh, now... If I'm wrong, I apologize. M- Mr. Cruel uh, <laughs> told Fiona that all this is going to happen is that her father would have to pay him 25 grand and Nicola will be uh, to return. Yeah. And then he took off with the kid and he took off in the the family's rental car uh, which was just right there parked in the driveway. Yeah. Now, he ended up driving down the road and he actually swapped cars. And about 20 minutes after the abduction, the parents got back home and Fiona was tied up in her bedroom with the ransom message and Nicola, which I feel like that's not her name, yeah. but the other kid, she she was gone. Uh, but just a few days later, Nicola was dropped off at an electricity station not far from home, and she was completely dressed and wrapped in a blanket, but she was still blindfolded. Uh, now... Something very interesting about it, though. If you don't mind me jumping Yeah, that's fine. Saying this real quick, is she had mentioned hearing airlines, an airline flying over her and this was her yeah okay well it happened with two cases so both cases yeah, spoke about these it these two talk about hearing a jet engine okay over them okay um so yeah now once she was dropped off uh she waited a little bit and then once she thought that mr kroll had driven away she removed her blindfold and uh basically went to the, the nearest house and she called her house. She called her home, I should say. Right. So, I mean, that's just one of those things that's, it's weird, but, um, she was able to give them more, at, like, leads or clues or anything, like you want to say. Uh, she actually said that he was about five foot eight. Really? Yeah. So I guess those kids, they weren't seeing a small person. Right. 
So, yeah, but I mean, five foot eight, that's, I mean, he's only a couple inches shorter than me. Mm-hmm. So, that's nothing. Five foot eight, that's average. She also revealed that he possibly had reddish brown hair. Oh, so she, he looks like a shorter version of you. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry about that. I was just making sure to go over this. So, some of the, some of it was about that, uh, was about her time mm-hmm. being c- captive. Uh, she was forced to lay down into like a neck brace. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was completely restrained while she was abused. Mm-hmm. She would hear him speaking to another person, but nobody else would respond. So I'm assuming that it was either an accomplice, which they just would not answer. They would shake their head yes or no. Or he was on the phone. So I'm not really sure. Um, now they did end up, they, obviously the Linus family went back home to England and after, uh, they did, Nicola was actually able to tell the investigators about the, the low flying aircraft, uh, above the home, which I did know that this was, you know, with that one. I just didn't know with the other one. Um, so the, the investigators basically thought that he was in the vicinity of the Tullamarine airport. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that because they were low flying, that he's probably within a direct fly path. But there wasn't any evidence. There still wasn't any evidence to make an arrest, and they couldn't even figure out who it was. So now this one, th- this one is like to me probably the worst. This is the worst. Yeah, this uh, is bad. I mean, the other ones are really bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, with Nicola. Uh, it was poor that you know she had witnessed like about 50 hours of mustation. Right. So I mean that's it's traumatizing. Um, there's not a lot of what there's not a lot of detail on what happens whenever these people are like with him for those long periods of time. Probably for the best, just because it was probably some very traumatic stuff. Right. You know. Please bring my daughter Carmen back to home. Carmen, look, this is your favorite dress. You you wear every day. Last Saturday, you left that home. You had to come home and wear it. The girl's waiting for you. You love the girl very much. Carmen, your sister needs you to spoil my family dress. April 13th, 1991, Mr. Cole broke into another home. They broke into the Chan home of John and Phyllis. Uh, this was in a district of Victoria, um, which is also all like in that area. I think Victoria is like that whole section, and it's kind of like a a state, I suppose. Um, that night, their daughter Carmen was watching her two younger siblings, and she was only 13 years old. Um, now her parents, they owned a Chinese restaurant there. Uh, I think actually more than one. So right. they typically had very long hours. Yeah, they and they, go they were never they they weren't home too much. Right. Um. It and it and it seemed like Mr. Cool knew about that. Right. Uh. So and this is about this is this is when they start putting more and more together and they start realizing that Mr. Cruel probably is staking out his victims. So, at roughly eight forty that evening, uh, Carmen. And uh, one of her sisters had headed to the family's kitchen. Um, at the, at, you know, down the hallway of the kitchen, they saw uh, 
Mr. Cruel in a green, you know, greenish grayish uh, tracksuit and with his signature mask over it, you know. And uh, he had made the statement saying, I only want your money. Yeah, and that, that mask is a balaclava. Or balaclava, I don't know. What, what is a balaclava? Uh, well, I mean, we've seen the we've seen the things about it. Balaclava. It's just okay. a mask. It's just a ski mask. Yeah, it's just a ski mask. Okay, I just never heard it called. Pretty terrifying uh, description. Some dude just wearing like in your kitchen, yeah, just standing there. Yeah, just I mean I don't want to see that. No, no. So yeah, he only he, he now he he told all three girls that he only wants their money, and he forced the younger two siblings into the closet of or or wardrobe, which I guess isn't a closet. It's like that little. So it's a yeah, yeah. it's it's the little it's a wardrobe, it's a, a standing closet. Right. Um, he put uh the two youngest siblings into Carmen's closet. Uh, then he claimed that he wanted Carmen by herself and to show her, him where the, all the money was. Uh, he pushed their bed in front of that closet to, you know, so that they couldn't make an escape. And minutes later, uh, they were able to, you know, force their way out of the wardrobe and they immediately called their uh, parents at the restaurant. But by the time they, the police arrived, uh, you know they've they knew yeah they knew they already knew what was happening so now because of this though it's one of those things where they come in they definitely know what's going on same scenario pretty much um as the previous ones but i feel like this one has a little bit more detail in it than the other ones the other one, I mean, this one that had no parents, though. So. Yeah, they weren't really there. Now, he took advantage of that, though. Yeah, he did. It seemed like he kind of took probably a little bit more time the doing some shitty things. But, well, so the phone lines, at least to my knowledge, they were not cut. To so our knowledge, yeah. Yeah, but um, he did write on the car. Phyllis's uh, Toyota Camry. Yeah. And it, it read, Payback Asian Drug Dealer. More to come. So. I think that was a throw off the investigators. Yeah, just maybe. something that's really weird. And it, it would, like, maybe uh, make him think yeah. that the father was tied to some, like, drug smuggling right. and whatnot. And that's so, why that <coughs> happened. Right. So days later, uh, the Chan family, they actually put an encrypted letter in the local paper. And they used a cipher that Carmen would probably be able to uh, decrypt. Right. Uh, they offered a hefty $300,000 ransom in exchange and for the safety of their daughter. Now, $300,000 back then, you know, I bet that was a pretty penny today. Right. So, um, which I guess we could look through. <clears throat> so, I think that's, it equals 600000 today. Almost 700000 So, I mean, it's a, uh, it's, it's a, uh, it's a lot of money. But I mean, even then though, still today though, I feel like that's not a lot of money for ransom. Um, now obviously this is what they offered. Right. But even before that, like everything that he was, uh, every time he like talked about money or added, like it was like $25,000. He right. didn't give a fuck about the money. Right. So, uh, Carmen's abduction triggered the largest manhunt in Australia. And it was known as Operation Spectrum. 
and it was a multi-million dollar undertaking that devoured tens of thousands of police, uh, you know, man hours alongside with many, many volunteer hours. Probably thousands, if not more. Yeah, it was, uh, I think, one of the largest man hunts. It was, yeah. In Australia. Yep, one the yeah, basically the largest. Uh, now, <coughs> the here's the key difference in this case uh, compared to the other ones. Carmen did not get reunited with her family. Um, and nearly, I mean, legit, almost one full year later of Carmen's abduction on April 9th, 1992, a man was walking his dog close to Thomastown and happened to uh, be next to a fully decomposed skeleton. And they eventually revealed that that was Carmen Chan. Um, yeah, that had to be... I, I hate that, and I hate that that's a thing. Yeah, they had... Uh, because they think had of all the, the hope... conclusion that she was shot twice in the head. Three times. Three times? Right? Yeah, it was three yeah, times. Three times. Three execution times. style. Yeah. So, and the... Okay, so... Yeah, this is like the big difference, right, between the other cases. Right. Is that Carmen... Didn't, never came home. And if you were following this and you were a family member, you probably thought that she was going to be sexually assaulted and, and then that she was going to be returned. So there was some kind of hope, at least to get her back. Right. But no. And yeah, she was... Uh, and they say that she probably was shot pretty soon after her abduction because right. they, they uh, estimated that the skeleton's been there for almost a year. Right. So that means that, you know... There was some kind of I'm, of what her mother said is that uh, Carmen was stubborn and probably fought back well, and probably, fought too much and maybe saw his face yeah. or something like and that. So he just that took it was her out. Dead link, and so he didn't want he didn't want her to. Yeah, and now there's tons of theories on um, why Mr. Kroll murdered her. Uh, it's so uh, uncharacteristic of him. Right. So the main theory though was that she was stubborn. Yeah. Um. Now, Operation Spectrum did continue a few years after the, after this happened to look for Mr. Krull. Uh, there was 40 members to the task force, and it investigated over 27,000 potential suspects. Um, they also collected tens of thousands of tips from the public, and they searched over 30 households. And I don't know if they even got one clue, to be honest with you. Well, there was only uh, one... Um piece of evidence that was really that could have been like a good lead Hmm. uh well more on like the modern side at least and it was the rope that was used to tie up uh i forget what case it was specifically but it was lost during um it was lost in negligence in uh evidence right so that one that one was kind of that one kept on that one kept on getting brought up well yeah but i want you to think about this though in the two years after 92 so after they found yeah, all Carmen. that stuff started getting really... Yeah, but they didn't find no, there was any no. evidence out of over 30,000 homes in two years. No evidence. And it seems like Mr. Cruel did not show up either. He just disappeared. He just vanished. Also, so, the crimes did as well. Yeah, so Spectrum, uh, Operation Spectrum was shelved in 94. And uh, everything that was attached to Mr. Cruel also got shelved in 94. And he is still wanted. He is he is one of Australia's Actually, most wanted criminals. Uh, I believe on the uh, 30th anniversary. I don't remember what specific, uh, how many years it was, but they had uh, brought back the uh, 
they had hired, they had, they had uh, risen the reward for if someone was to actually given enough information to like find him. Do you know how much? Case. I do not. Okay. So I mean, like, with this being done, like, I mean, it's what do you still, it's still, and they, and you know, they still get a lot, a lot of uh, feedback from people right. in Australia thinking that it's you know Mr. Cool, and there's been tons of theories throughout the years of, you know, um, who he is. Uh, from the one that was uh, John Bennett, Ramsey. Some people thought he was Mr. Cruel. Yeah, so, I mean, well, there was a lot of... Uh, a, <laughs> there was a lot there so of many child pornography getting thrown in Australia. Yeah, it was legal still. And I don't know. It was legal? Should, I'm assuming that it's legal now, but it was legal back then to have child pornography. So Then why would they be looking for them? I don't know, but it was legal. Are you sure? Was it really legal? Was yeah, that a thing? It was fucking legal. Okay, so... I don't want to look up on Google, because, you know... <laughs> uh, I don't know if that was legal, but I mean, that's just weird, right? Like, I don't think children porn is legal anywhere. Pretty sure it was at that point. Really. That's weird. Okay, so... Um, a lot of people thought he worked with Peter Scully, who was this dude that was attached to uh, child pornography and... Um, Oh, what, like uh, sex trafficking he was uh, he was actually convicted of one count of human trafficking and five counts of rape uh, to underage girls so he was a sex offender now they think that, so they say that he had 75 victims and um, two of them were children so I don't know but he was apprehended apprehended sorry uh, February of 2015 is that not crazy to think about that? Like, that's how long? That is crazy. And now he's in it for life. Um, but yes, it's insane to me that that was how it was. But, uh, yeah, he, so he was caught. Now, like I said, a lot of people think Mr. Kroll was working with him. Uh, who knows if it was him? You know, that'd be even well, insane. I wouldn't, um, I think that they're, like, based off some of the stuff that I've read, I don't think it's just a lone man doing this. Oh, no, no. I um, think, no, Mr. Cruel is definitely a part of the bigger uh, sex trafficking and child for pornography. All know, for all we know, it could be a different guy every single time wearing the same type of... Yeah, that's true, too. I mean, but I think there was... Well, there was two cases, though, where they describe him um, talking about... Like calling people bozo and stuff, but if it is a different person each time, but like wears the same uniform, that would explain why the children from the beginning said that he was a short man, yeah, and then later on he was five foot eight, yeah. So, um, and that's if they, I, like I said, I have no idea if those kids like gave that description. I didn't see anything on it, but if you saw it, then it, I might be the same thing. We might just be talking about the same exact. Okay, that's yeah. fine. But either way, like I mean, it, it still could be a thing. No, I do think that there was a pedophile ring and like this whole child pornography thing, and I do think he was a part of it. And I don't think money was an issue because he was in an airline thing. How it was always in the near an airport, you know, where like planes were taken off and all that. You can hear the jet airliners. Well, yeah, but there was only the one airport. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying that every time the kid was dropped off, that's what they would hear. Right. Airline going over that. Well, yeah, but we already talked about that. Yeah, I'm just saying that that's interesting. It's interesting, but it's not if they live by an airport. Right. Well, yeah, I know, but I'm just you know what I mean. That's like that's like living in Wilmington, and or any any town with an airport, and you just like the kids are going to hear that because they're in the facility of an airport. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's like I don't know how, but it, I understand that it's low flying, 
Yeah. But uh, even on the map, where, where you see people leaving a map, um, all the different release sites, I went. I would say that maybe two, two maybe kids would hear one. But I'm not really sure what that where that airport is. To be honest with you, um, do you remember where we said it was? What the airport? Okay, so here's okay. So this one, Melbourne Airport goes over Thomastown. So the direct flights. Okay, so there's two directions that the flights take when they're going to the Melbourne Airport. Yeah. One of them goes over Thomastown, and then the other one goes over. Uh, Sorry, I'm just trying to read this. Uh, it doesn't really look like... It doesn't look like it, it goes over too much other stuff. Yeah. I don't know what the other roads were where those people were found. Um, but here, let me see if I could map this real bit. Or see if I can map this. So that's Cobberg. It doesn't say that on there. You bitch. So that's Thomastown right here. Okay, so anything from Lower Plenty to... Thomastown up to uh, Melbourne that is that seems like who would be hearing the planes um, other than that the other ones I don't think so now Carmen's remains were located just like like right by like uh, actually relatively close to where the airport or the the uh, yeah. where the planes fly through so I mean yeah, I mean, there's a chance, but it just doesn't seem like. Well, they were also found near um, electrical sta- substations. Well, they went. Well, one was dropped off by a substation, but yeah. the substation. I mean, that doesn't really mean anything. Well, they were tying it up, and they were thinking that, um, like, there's a possibility that he was, um, that he worked for, like, Mr. Cool himself. There's a possibility that he may have worked for like a substation, like, or uh, electrical substations. Like, he he might have been like in that. Nah, I don't think so. Because he was dropping them off all in that, like... He only did it with one person. Right? That's the only one he dropped off at a... He only dropped off one person at a substation. Uh, well, Mr. Cole's... Okay, wait. Mr. Cole's first victim was not removed from her house and was instead assaulted and gagged, but the next two were all abducted. Two would return, but Carmen would never be seen again. His second victim was dropped off near the Bayswater Electrical Substation eight hours, 18 hours before being abducted. His third victim was released after. Near, after I mean, his third victim was released near a substation in Coo, just ten minutes from okay, the house. So and it was both two. victims who lived near a sub. Both lived. Uh, I cannot talk. Both victims also lived near substations, just twenty minutes apart. Uh, his fourth victim, Carmen, remains were found near a substation known as Tomstown's Terminal Station, also in close proximity of the other electrical substations. Uh, Carmen and the one of Mr. Cole's other victim also both attended the. Presbyterian Ladies College, which also okay, but uh, okay, well, across even then, the road from a substation. Connections suggest Mr. Cole may have worked or posed as a substation employee, or lived close by at least. I could see that, but at the same time, that's like telling. No, I'm just throwing this out. Right, but like, look at all the look at all the substations that's by your house. You got one up the road. You got one yeah, down yeah, that yeah, way. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah and, it's just such a broad thing. It's like, yeah, okay, if there's a bunch of gyms near, you must work at a fucking gym. <laughs> yeah, like no, I think that I think that that's just it's one. Have you ever been by a substation? Just, there's there's a lot of them. Right, but like, if you ever go by a substation, there's like this nice humming, so yeah. that's like hurting their hearing. Right. There's like, there's just like other things that like people are gonna. I don't know. I think, I think a substation. I would. He's probably leaving them at a substation because that's the best place to leave them yeah. without him being seen. Right. So he probably drove into it, drops them off, and then just drives away. 
Like, that's how I would look at it. And then, you know, eventually the girls are all like, oh, is this safe? Like, can we do this? And, you know, they take off their mask and then they realize, oh, okay, gotcha. So, yeah, but I don't, I I mean, he could work there. Who knows? Right. So, uh, I do think, however, that... I don't think this was his beginning, though, because they did. They were talking about how there was a few situations with uh, sexual assaults in the 80s, right. mid-80s, that sounded very similar. However, I don't think they ever mentioned him wearing a mask like that. Okay. But um, there were a few loose cases before 1987 that sounded similar to this, but I don't think there was any abducting involved. Right. Now... It's just weird because it's, there's such a there's a time frame where he was doing it before... There's a couple cases that are kind of there that you could connect to it if you found the right stuff. And then after 1991, it was, it's just cold. Right. So it's like, whoever was doing this, maybe they thought that after they killed that girl, they're like, fuck this, I don't want to do this anymore. I got to get out of here. And the thing I was thinking in my head while driving when I was listening to these is, what if after killing um, his last victim, he realized he fucked up and he's never gone that far. Right. And he ended up going, like, he killed himself, possibly. Okay. Or... Yeah, uh, actually... I think that's what happened. There, there was... So, murder-suicide, yeah. And if he did kill himself, then he could be somebody that was just found. And since he was not linked to Mr. Cruel... Right. I mean, they could have found him in a, how, a yeah. house or, like, anywhere, yeah, Automatically, right? usually, it's just like, oh, he... Another dude. Right, like, you're just another saying, dude. They were saying, the way how they were, like, describing him is he's most likely... A quiet member of society. Yep. He might uh, attend, you know, some community events, but overall, it's just a super normal guy that you wouldn't really uh, look at twice. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. No. Asher's actually talked to me about uh, if he like it could have been a murder suicide or something like that. Right. Um, I do think. I don't know. It's crazy, right? Like, there's so many different things. Uh, there was even one where. Um, like I mean, there was one where he was. Uh, there was another, uh, the Golden State Killer. Yeah. Was like attached to Mr. Cruel, saying that he, uh, now the uh, <clears throat> James D'Angelo he is the gold the Golden State Killer, and they thought that maybe he was attached to Mr. Cruel because uh, D'Angelo lived in Australia in '67, and he served on the USS Canberra during a tour in North Vietnam. Now, that would be pretty crazy, right? Yeah, that's that's kind of going out there now. Because he came back, and right. he actually became a police officer. Like he came back to the states, became yeah, a police about officer. How he might have like a background in a forensic or a police. Uh, he might have background like in um, law enforcement. Right. So, well, um, here they had a lot of similar patterns. Both wore masks. Uh, both posed as home invaders. Um, both would sometimes eat food. In, in the victim's kitchen. Right. Uh, and both were probably, you know, surveying neighborhoods for weeks and they took, they, they planned their attacks out pretty good. Right. So, um, however, though, because, uh, I'm guessing because of the time period and everything, that a lot of people think that it was unlikely that they are connected. Um, How old was he in 67? I don't know, but he's 72 now, I think. Or not 72 now. Maybe he was whenever they arrested him. And his name was what again? 
Uh, he was 72 in 2018. Golden. So yeah. he's James D'Angelo. James D'Angelo. And he, whenever he was arrested, like, uh, well, at least he was arrested. So either way, like, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, somebody, some people feel closure. I hope. Right. Uh, now, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know. What do you think of Mr. Krulik? Where do you, th- do you think he's dead? Do you think he killed himself? Do you think he's still somewhere out in Australia? Do you think he left? Well, hold on. Let me just, uh, you had been 43 during the, uh, Mr. Cruel years. Okay. 43, 40, you know, 40, yeah. mid 40s. Yeah. So I don't see that being super his age. You think he was younger? No, no, no. I'm saying like, I think, I think that's, I could see that. Okay. In mid 40s, you're still able to yeah. do things. As, oh, you know, I mean, yeah. You're not so old. like, you know. Jeez. What? No, no. I'm just saying you're still able to do things. You're not, you're not in your 60s yet. You know? Okay. Yeah. No, I gotcha. You're, you're in your midlife. You're sh- yeah. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know. Like, I think that this can go multiple ways. And I think that's why Jeez. this case is he crazy. Played a critical role. So in the story of serial killer predator who was responsible for at least 13 murders, 50 rapes in the seventies and eighties. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. He had a lot, but, um, and his crime started in 74. So I will say this is and ended in 86. This is what I kind of believe in. It ended in 86. It ended in 86. Began in uh, 74 and ended in 86. And then, and then did he go anywhere or did he disappear? After 86? I'm not sure. It just said span of crimes is 74 to 86. Can you see when he was arrested or like all that kind of stuff? I can try, yeah. Because... Oh, I mean, he's tied to Mr. Kroll on Wikipedia. That means it's true. I'm trying to... <laughs> <laughs> um, he was responsible, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I'm just wondering because, you know, the first attack happened in 87. Yeah. He's also known as the original Night Stalker. Okay. I mean, what, I mean, do you think that they're the same? I'm trying to digest see. it. I'm no, I'm trying to see what happened in seventy or eighty-six. Not all with him. Yeah. So, what color is his hair? I don't know. That's 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 a good. Oh right, because you want to know like a younger guy. Yeah, like if you want to tie him to it. But they described him, and I, I don't know this. I don't know how true this is. Uh, I loosely remember one of the victims of cruel describing him having facial hair, like seeing you know little bits of facial hair. Right. I see. I didn't hear any of that because most of them were blindfolded, so I don't know. Right. So I mean, and yeah, honestly, I don't, I don't all, of, all of in, Joseph, but... all of uh, Joseph's D'Angelo, like, yeah, I mean, he was he was found, or he was arrested in like 2015. So right. like, I don't know what his. Uh... All right, so hold on one second. So shortly after the rape committed on July 5th, 1979, D'Angelo moved to Southern California and began killing his victims. First strike in the Santa Barbara County in October. The attacks lasted until 81. With a lone 86 attack, only the couple in the first attack survived, alerting neighbors and forcing the jury to flee. Other victims were murdered by gunshot, and uh, specifically on 86, on May 4th, 18-year-old uh, Janelle Lisa Cruz, if I'm saying it right, was found after she was raped, and uh, 
I guess, bludgeoned, is that it, how you say it? Bludgeoned hmm. uh, to death in her Irvine home. Uh, trying to see, I don't see what specifically happened to him in eighty. I could see that's him younger. Okay. Okay, like I can see this. Yeah. I can see this being a thing. Yeah. No, I would have to say, <laughs> dude. I would say that. Uh, I mean, it's it's open for anything. But I will say that I do think that he was part of the pedophile ring and the child pornography ring. Obviously, human trafficking, like all that was together. Yeah. Um. He's a piece of shit, and he. I mean, that's it. I mean, even if he wasn't Mr. Crow, he still is a piece of shit. So. Yeah, like, no matter what, <laughs> either one of these Mr. guys. Well, what do you what do you think? Do you think it is this guy? Uh, I don't think it's highly unlikely. What about the John Bennett Ramsey? You I didn't look into that. But I do think it is unlikely. But it also, like, I mean, if I could, if we could just, like, I guess if those crimes so, just stopped. This is a weird in one. In California. And this is so beyond. John Bennett Ramsey, by the way, is not the killer, I'm saying. It's it's the girl. It's the case with the girl in the basement. Did I ever tell you about that one? No. Okay, so. Was it, does it connect to Mr. Cruel? There's a theory saying. But where, I don't where, know where is it at? Where is she at? Where is she in the basement at? Is it worth bringing up? <laughs> Like, Houston, do you actually Houston, think... I don't know. Houston, Texas. <laughs> I don't think this is... I would I would just... I, that case right there, man, is probably just another pedophile ring thing. You think so? Yeah. I don't, no, it's I not don't pedophile think. ring. She was just killed. I mean, how do you know... Basically, her story is... How I, do you know she wasn't raped and then recorded and then killed? Well, I'm just going to tell you. Oh, okay. I'm going to tell you. Basically, what I remember from hearing about the first time, and I'm, I'm just going based off my memory here. I'm not even going to read the screen. Uh, read basically... The screen. Uh, the parents had. She was a. Uh, she was a beauty contestant. Very, very young. I don't remember what age she was when this all happened, but basically, that's what she was known. She was being, you know, put into uh, these uh, child beauty uh, contests. And her mom one day had. Um, her her parents had filed for her being missing, and uh, they had done this huge like, you know. Uh, search for her and they ended up finding her uh, dead body in their basement okay and I mean I'm not I don't, I'm not saying this is any way connected to him I'm just saying that's what that one was okay and I don't think there's there's a ransom note left but they believe it was the brother that left it right it's a whole weird case okay, okay. I have not looked too much into it so okay well thanks for sharing another weird case but no I think so I mean what do you what do you so what are your thoughts of this? What are your closing thoughts? Do, do you think he's think still alive? I don't think it's Joseph James D'Angelo. I'm going to go with that. I think the idea that he probably fucked up, or he thought he fucked up big time. Do you think he killed himself? I think he killed himself. Oh, you do? Yeah, I think he killed himself. So, you th- so he's dead? I think he's dead. Okay. Yeah, I think I think the guy... Because he was, he was always described as being soft-spoken whenever mm-hmm. he never talked to the girls. Right. And it makes me think that he was probably a guy that always probably backtracked on himself, kind of was incompetent, and kind of uh, maybe uh, always was putting on a front for the parents. Mm-hmm. You know, also, I'm actually willing to say this just because I thought about it also. I think the man might have had... There's the possibility whenever he was making those phone calls that maybe he just actually was deranged like he just his mental structure like he didn't even make those calls like it was, in his head it was a real call like maybe have you ever thought about that or he just never made the call and he no because they picked they said he picks up like he he made a call on a phone 
Yeah, yeah. I'm so maybe he doesn't pick up, a, like he picks up the phone but doesn't call. No, but that would be, he uses that to throw them off. I know that, but I'm just saying like, what if? No, I don't think he, I, I mean, he's broken. Clearly he's, what you know, he's fucking little kids. But like. <laughs> yeah, clearly he's broken. But thing. like, I'm saying like. Just, I brought up the idea, like maybe, maybe he thinks it's real. No, I, I think that, I think that he, he pretended to call somebody on the phone. So that you it would that throw would off shit. I mean, I was thinking that that might be because of the car thing. Like, if you really want to, if you want to throw off enough, like you just fucking put random shit in there that doesn't make sense. Right, like the car thing, the, the spray painting in the car. Right. Well, or who knows? Maybe, maybe there's more to that than we know. Yeah. Well, there's not a lot of. The or what if? What if the father or the mother, whoever of the Chan family, what if they were drug dealers? What if they were selling? I don't know what they'd There's be selling, about that, yeah. but let's let's say that they did. Yeah. Um, say that Mr. Cruel had his own family. Yeah, like he had his own family. Imagine a theory. Of and their his or somebody he cares about died. Yeah. They OD'd or they just they fucked up. Now, and that is why I'm not. That is why their daughter got died, saying, and that's why he shot her. Not and it, it was more personal. What I'm saying, I believe in. Or maybe a daughter saying, for a daughter. What if? And I'm. This is just completely fiction, what I'm coming up with right yeah. now. But what if these people somehow knew each other, the families, and they were doing it themselves to get some money out of it? Nah, I don't think so, because it so. doesn't seem like they they got anything. No, well, why would they get money out of their children? They don't have life insurance. <laughs> yeah, I know, but like, they get like the fucking, like, like if they want ransom... They want to get some oh, money out. Oh, yeah, but the ransom money that they're asking for is $25,000. Yeah. And there was nothing transferred. Well, yeah, I'm saying that's so, why the kids were returned because they realized it was stupid. No, because I don't think that... If that was the case, it only happened probably one time. This, there was too many... It, it happened right. four times. Where, well, th- four times and three of the four yeah. was about money. So the reason why, uh, reason why there wasn't much look into the... Uh, the last one being connected to drug smuggling is because the police officer that was in the investigation, one of the like head ones, I want to say, um, knew them very well and actually eat at their restaurant. Okay, but and what he, if he was a dirty cop and he was actually part of it? Yeah, I mean, that could be that too, but he, he just stated, I'm just saying this is what's on file. Right. He stated that he didn't get a sense of that from them at all. He doesn't believe that they were actually a part of that. That's what he said. Yeah, yeah but usually those people... The people that you think is the ones not to do it, they usually are the ones that do it, and that's yeah. why they get away with it so much. Or this last one might not be Mr. Cool at all. It just might be a different one. Uh, no, because the daughters said who, like, they described them, remember? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So there was always a... Yeah, but regardless, there was always a uh, description of this guy. What does that say? Sorry, somebody's on Discord going crazy. I'm not really sure where or how or who or what, but that's getting insane. Anyways, but yeah, I would definitely look at, uh, I would just look, I like the theory that, I don't really know. There's something about the Chan family that feels a little personal. Yeah. And I think, I know that people say, oh, well, it's because she was stubborn or something, but there's just... I don't know. Well, like, so, three shots to the back of the head? Yeah. Like, come on. Like, you don't... Like, you only need one. Yeah. And he seems like he was an efficient man. 
right? He knew what he was doing. Right. Yeah. For the most part, right. Right. He was clean. He, he was all this stuff. Yeah. He did, it didn't seem he like he... Ran things out. Right. So three in the back of the head feels personal. Yeah. And I never thought about that until just now. Yeah. And talking about it, you know? I think... I think there's a, even two in the head I think I'd been okay with. Just yeah. pop, pop. But that last one, she was already on the ground. Yeah. He had to come over and shoot her. Yeah. Possibly even for the second one. You know, I the second one I'll give that it was one and then two. Right. But that third one, unless, unless maybe her body was already on the ground and then he just shot her three times. I don't really know. But they said execution style, so I believe that she's on her like knees. Right. And then and then he is behind her. The back. back. Back of the head. So, I don't know. Uh, you will be hearing the the audio for uh, Mrs. Champ. You'll be listening to that after this. Or maybe before this. Like, I don't know when we're putting it in. Yeah. You'll, you'll be hearing all the audio for it. But, like, it is pretty crazy. But, um... Yeah, no, I would say that... This uh, proves the whole entire theory that I came with earlier. <laughs> it's very real. It's very real for the families. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just don't... I don't know. I think... I'm going to stick with the, the fact that, like... Th- maybe there's a chance that all th- all four were personal. Like, all four attacks were personal. Yeah, like, there's some connection to Mr. Yeah, Blake. like, maybe there's but just something else. They looked into it. They were even talking about, like... Uh, like, in, in every... every uh, podcast and article I read they were talking about for most of them at least they were talking about how the the police were very adamant about like finding if there was connections with the families in the sky you know like if there was any reason for see that's what them. well okay but if if there was a underground drug thing yeah oh you think that there might have been underground drug thing with all of them maybe but at the same time I don't because the other girls were brought back right so the underground drug scandal would unless have to just, be with the chance he finally was just like I'm fucking done I don't know. I mean, you really don't know. Uh, I, I still think the whole... I think it was just... He was making money off kitty porn. And... So? Yeah, he yeah, was doing terrible yeah. shit with him. Yeah. And I think that he was selling it. Yeah. And uh, I think that the, the, the Scully guy that was doing all that stuff, also in Australia around that time, yeah. they were probably partners in some in some degree. Yeah. Um, that's how I would have it's to say it. Fine. Do I think he's alive, though? I'm not sure. Um... Do you think any I'm really not. will ever arise later on? No, I think it's too too far. Yeah. I think it's done. You're not going to get anything. Because we don't know who Mr. Cruel is. So there's no way to pinpoint it. Right. He's they, gone. They search all the homes and not none of the rooms. Everything will always be for speculation now. Yeah. And nothing will ever be confirmed. Like, uh, not unless they find DNA. Which I don't think they yeah, can now. Right, like I don't, like you're not going to go... Mask is gone. Like, the only thing that I can think about is, like, their older files, and I still don't even know, like, what DNA they have of no his or anything. Yeah, so, like, I don't there's know. There's, I don't, no, there's no evidence that's been shown, really, of the case. I try to look at pictures of the car. There's no pictures of the car. I just don't know, like, that kind of stuff. Like, there's not a lot of uh, documentation that I can see on the internet from it, also. All I will see is the mask. All I will say is that... He's scary. He is a very scary. <laughs> and guy. he is a real boogeyman. There was another one that was drawn that didn't look like the same ski mask. It was the one where he's kind of like, looks like he's wearing a blazer. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That was his first. That was the first one. Yeah. So he comes in and he has a mask. Yeah. Th- like the the open face. Like Spider-Man. 
Spider-Man. Spider-Man I'm 1. I'm Modern Warfare when those guys wear the ski mask. And they have yeah. Like a full yeah. open eye area. Yeah, yeah. The goggle looking ones. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then it moves to just circular holes. Yeah, I guess he said that was not good enough. He wanted to go a little more metal the next time. And he did. Just a little heavy metal. Yeah. So is that all you got on it? I think that's all we really have on it, you know. Well, guys, please go and check this out. It is creepy. Um, I, you know, I, I do hope that one day those families. Uh, feel some sort of closure and that they do get justice. The, yeah, the last one specifically. Yeah. yeah. The first one. Well, as long as, you know, as long as that last one wasn't his justice, you know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. So, the first one's at least they have Well, it doesn't even matter to me. I don't even fucking care because he, he's a monster, right? Like, he's a monster. I don't care. Like, like, I don't know. Like, even if the Chans are druggies, like, they're drug dealers, like... Yeah, you don't do that, though. I'm sorry, like, you, that guy's fucking kids. Like, nope. No, thank you. Yeah. Killing too. Yeah, so. and killing them. Well, now. But who knows? Maybe it's not even him. Maybe he just abducts them, and then somebody else does the rest, and then he brings them back. There was a more recent case that said that sounded like him. Well, oh, that's kind of weird to think about. What? That he is... He's the, go- he's the gopher. He goes, gets them, brings them to somebody else... And then he bring and then he put drops them off somewhere. So that's what they're doing. You think that like because this was not brought up in any other thing I was talking, thinking I was listening to about it being like a like a like he take thing. Like he's specifically bringing them there. They're getting them what they need, and then he brings them back. Yeah. And then and other people are doing it, all, doing all the other stuff. Family. He found out who he was, and he couldn't deal with it. Well, and then you would also you would assume, or at least I would assume that you would be able to find DNA then. Because if he's raping them, yeah. So that would have been something that I don't know how. Really? I don't know the. the I, don't, uh, well, I don't think he killed himself. He obviously got rid of the evidence of the room and all that stuff. Right, but I'm saying like, and, and that was him. See, but I think it was because the girl said that it, she saw that mask, the mask that he was wearing in that bedroom. So, huh. have you seen the? I mean, it looks like an old bedroom. Super. But yeah, I, I saw the. Yeah. I saw the the sketch. Nothing real. But yeah, no, I, I I don't know. There's a lot of theories that can go on about this case, and I think that's why I really liked it, and I'm happy that you chose it. But I do think that there's like, there's so much more. It's an open-ended case. It'll it'll yeah, it'll forever be open-ended. Honestly, almost everything that revolves around uh, child pornography and pedophilia and stuff, I don't think any of those will ever really be like. I, I don't think they'll ever get resolved. I always think that there's just gonna it's gonna keep going. Alright, well, I think that's it for us tonight, so we'll catch you next week.